All right. Well, welcome back to the show. It's been a little while, so we have a lot to discuss. Most importantly, we have to discuss the hiring that happened today, and that is of the defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo. And I hope I'm saying his name right. That was first try. That was not bad. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Now, a lot of people are really excited that the Bengals got their guy. You know, I mean, there probably was a lot of competition for him, but he ended up with us. <laughs> so, we, yeah. So, John, we don't know a lot about him. I would be the first to admit that. Except... I actually did a lot of research on him. So uh, first I want to get your takes and then I'll tell you some things that I think about them. So John, and then, oh, by the way, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, did, did you forget to introduce our- I did, our... I did. Oh man. <laughs> okay. You think so Lou we... had a lot of competition. We had a lot of competition to get our friend back on the show here. He's been very right. busy. I'm very yeah. busy, but you guys got me back. This is where That's I'm supposed true. to be. The wonderful and... Jordan Harris, everybody. <laughs> Jordan Harris. What is up? Yeah, Jordan Harris, um, he took a break from the show to become a doctor. And um, so we're really <laughs> proud of him because, you know, it's going to cut a lot of our medical costs because I know John was pushing me for medical insurance. I can't pull that off, but uh, we have Jordan. Jordan used to have his own uh, TV channel, uh, Sports Dispute TV. He can talk about any uh, sport, but he's actually really, really a smart when it comes to talking NFL draft. And he called a lot of players that the Bengals should get, and they got them, and they were big hits. Joe Mixon, Carl Lawson, you name it. The biggest hits in recent years, Jordan called them. So we love having him on the show. And he's a very personable guy, too. Um, well, now, thanks, guys. You guys are making me very welcome. I love it. Well, we love you, Jordan. <laughs> now, a lot of you might be saying, hey, where is Hoji? Well, Hoji's actually, he might make it, but he's currently stuck in traffic. Now, it's hard to explain, but he's not stuck in the traffic of uh, vehicular uh, automobiles, but the traffic of the mind. He is some sort of uh, Zen thing where he needs to reach the Mu Shen level or something before he can come on the show, and he's not there right now. I don't understand it. I just know he's not here, and he really wanted to talk about our coach. So, uh, John, you start this off, and then we'll go to Jordan. Go ahead. All right. So it's been 101 days since they've had an official defensive coordinator, but I really think it's been two years because I don't really count Terrell Austin as one, nor Marvin Lewis, I guess, in that sense. But, no, I mean, this is the eighth guy that the Bengals considered at the very least, I think, Officially, they would like to say that this is only the third or fourth guy they officially offered the job to, but apparently they've been talking with him for the better part of a week with conversations, and this was kind of like like today or Thursday, if you will, was the day of just confirming everything, bringing him in, just coming in to sign the contract. But I, this is like the sixth or seventh or maybe even eighth coach that Taylor has hired when he's had previous experience or he's had associates work with him before. You're talking like Jim Turner, uh, Bill Callahan or Jim <coughs> Brian Callahan was um, the son of his college coach. You had uh, uh, James Casey wasn't one of them, but he he's familiar with the kind of offense that he likes to run. You know, um, 
Jamal Singleton was a, a Brian Callahan guy as well. So, uh, and then Doug Rosefeld, who got his own position, whatever. So, uh, Anaromo fits kind of the bill of, of someone that um, Taylor like has previous experience working with. So that, in in a sense, makes sense, and probably should have considered him to be a candidate more earlier on than what we expected. And just in that general sense, you know, when you're trying to hire a defensive coordinator, what after Valentine's Day, after President's Day, there's not a lot of great candidates left. Um, but this is. It's kind of it's it's just kind of funny how similar he is as a defensive coordinator candidate compared to like Zach Taylor as a offensive play caller or a head coach candidate because they've only had one like brief experience as a coordinator in the NFL and that's when they were both in the same year in 2015 in Miami. As far as what to talk about with Anarumo though, there's not a lot of past experience that could point him to becoming a great defensive coordinator, great defensive play caller. He's only had that experience with Miami. He's just been a defensive backs coach for the better part of his 30 years. In in, col- in in college and in professionals is coaching in general. So, just looking at you know what he did in Miami, there was ne- they were never dominating defenses. But, but you know w- when he had the talent such as you know, or like Rashad Jones, Brent Grimes, he got the most out of them. He's only been in New York for just one year, and that's when you know Landon Collins was there, Janoris Jenkins was there. I believe they were seventh this year in interceptions. It's hard to really you know put credit. Uh, just a, a secondary coach with like overall production from a defense, but um, it, it, most most defensive coordinators start their coaching careers working in the secondary because that's kind of where it all, it all starts at the beginning of the play. The coverage kind of dictates what type of play call you're going to run up against, going up against you know basically every kind of offense. So that's kind of why those guys eventually work them work themselves up to this kind of position. So if you're looking for positives, that, that's something to point to. But it's the first time opportunity for him. He's in his late. He's in his um, you, you know, I believe he's 52 years old, which makes him like on average 20 yeah. years older than every other coach from the Bengals. So there is some relative experience there. And, you know, it, it's just for me personally, it's hard to judge. It's even harder to judge new coach hirings than it is to judge like free agent signings and draft pick signings because we just don't know a lot about these guys, even if they have a lot of experience. And Lou obviously doesn't. Well, John, I mean, you don't know a lot about them. I'm telling you, you got to. I've been telling you about uh, research and, and analytics for a while now. I mean, you can't just go with what is available in the mainstream media. A lot of fake news out there. Um, so you have to dig deeper, which I did. Now, Jordan, should I share what I dug up or, or do you want to? Yeah, you talk? can go ahead and share. You can go ahead and share. Uh, uh, well, well, I mean, uh, you go ahead. I mean, I, I kind of want okay. to hear what you have. Yeah, and then, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, well, like, I mean, John kind of highlighted it all. Like, he doesn't really have much experience. And I think that goes with a lot of the coaching, the coaching staff that we have now. And I think that's kind of the scary part of it. But, you know, because, like, I mean, when I think of this, I think of the whole Rams thing, you know, how we're trying to copy the McVay. And one thing with McVay was that he had Wade Phillips, you know, and we saw how much, like, I mean, he had, he was a head coach. He was defensive coordinator for multiple years. And he had so much experience. And just having that behind McVay, I think is something that is more comforting and that's something that, you know, would have been nice to have at least as one of our coordinators, but now we don't have that in our defense coordinator. So I think it's just kind of a risky chance that we're taking. But one good thing about it, I saw on Twitter is a lot of the, uh, a lot of his former players were talking about how he's a good hire and he could become, you know, one of the brighter coaches in the league. So hopefully that'll be a good sign. Yeah. I mean, George, you hit on a lot of points that I wanted to talk about. Uh, First of all, the, having the older, veteran coach around and I think that might have been what we wanted to do maybe but then you know Del Rio maybe had yeah, yeah. attitude you know and mm-hmm. Zach 
is a young guy, you know. And when you are inexperienced or young, one or the other, you really want loyalty. You want people that are going to back you. I'm sure John can think of a good Game of Thrones reference or something here. But, you know, I just, you know, I mean, look at the, look at the politics. Look at the president and how much he demands loyalty. Every, every Robert Baratheon needs a Ned Stark. Let's okay. Put it at that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a big deal, you know. Um, and Jordan, you mentioned his former players, and that's actually... I looked this up, and according to a Snapple facts, okay, um, this hire, the Anarumo, is a really underrated hire because in his first year with the Dolphins, uh, Rashad Jones had his best year in the NFL at the time, and Bobby McCain became one of the slots, best slot corners, and uh, Xavier Howard, uh, you know, he, he was really... Uh, saw so a good jump to his early career, his first two years under uh, Lou. So, I mean, that is Snapple facts. You know what I mean? I mean, that's not even mm -hmm. right. And um, that's just one of the many things I found. I mean, I could keep going. Yeah, like, I mean, he yeah. did, like, th there were good defensive backs in Miami, as well as in New York for the year that he was there, uh, which is, I guess, what could be a good sign because, like, I mean, Jesse Bates, we obviously know that he's a rising star. Sean Williams is a good safety as well. And then we have guys like William Jackson. So, you know, I think that the pieces are there for the defensive back portion of it. But, I mean, I don't know how much this correlates. Like, I mean, I don't think that the defensive back portion was our problem so much as the, you know, the linebacker and interior defense. So, yeah, that's I mean, one John, thing that he's going to have to worry about. Yeah, John looked a little skeptical, skeptical uh, when I was – I, I think you exhausted all your Snapple resources. I don't even know what the hell that is. But. <laughs> well, well, you know, they're facts, factual bits of information, John. You know what that is. Right? Good old alternative facts, you know. Not alternative facts. This Snapple facts is actually a Dolphins fan on Reddit. That's his username. And he, he seems to know what he's talking about because I really don't know anything about this guy. This yeah, guy. and but that's the whole point, right? Because, you know, yeah. it, fans – you know, analysts alike are all going to look at these broad statistics to kind of support their argument about a certain coach. Like, just for example, when, when talking about Jim Turner, a lot of people want to, want to point to Texas A&M's jump in, like, yards per game, yards per carry. And you can't really put all those statistics on just an offensive line coach. Because no. It, it means yeah. so much more than that. And, and, and that, for the same reason, you can't look at just, you know, passing yards allowed per game, passer rating allowed per game from a secondary and put it all on the secondary coach because it's it's so much more than that. It's so it much is, more than just a position is. coach. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's it's so difficult to judge position coaches getting promoted to coordinator positions if they don't have any experience in that in that area if they've never really done it before over a long term period. And and you just got to go off of okay, how did this guy develop his talent? What what specific uh, qualities did he yeah. get improve out of his out of his certain players? And, yeah. and you know, to, to your credit, Xavier Howard was a 2016, I believe, his second round draft pick, and he really saw his best jump oh, when yeah. Lou left for New York oh, yeah. in, in 2018. He, I think That's he led the league. In inter I, I think he led the league in interceptions the year they left. But, but I don't even put that on, on, on Lou as well. He, the, the work that he did in Xavier Howard's first two years might have led to that jump in year three. It's so muddy in terms of just how to look at the work that these guys actually do for these players and 
to, to, to claim that all this work leads to actual production instead of just the product of scheme and play calling from their superiors is kind of, it's just kind of weird to me. And, and that's, that's it the whole is. point. That's the whole point with just yeah. like, just like a quarterback coach and the defensive backs coach getting promoted to the two biggest roles on a, on a team right. and leading a team. It's just, but, it's a lot right, of, right. no, John, look, I mean, that's kind of what I wanted to say is the traditional stats just don't do it anymore. Now, some people like the next generation of stats, I actually say I have a form of analytics that is a little more old school, and that is aesthetics, you know, etymology, yes. those kind of things. Yes. And if you, yeah, if you look, I just, I just, some things I noticed about him. First of all, he looks a little bit like Urban Meyer, who's a very oh, successful. Why, why do you have to turn me off on him now? <laughs> I'm just saying, success wise, right? Um, another thing is he has a very football sounding name, a tough guy kind of name. You know, um, Lou. and yeah, Lou Anarumo, right? Mm-hmm. right. right off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, it does. Solid, solid jawline, solid, solid hairline. Yeah, Brian, it, Brian Callahan's hair is pretty good too. I, I think the flow is there when he's got to part it to the side a little bit to respect it. Yeah, I, I mean, and mm-hmm. he's from New York, which is a rough place. No, he's not from New York. He's from Staten Island. Yeah, but in New York. But isn't that the meme? Like Staten Island is just like. Just like the like the turd portion of of the boroughs or whatever. Well, speaking of turds, that's what I wanted to say. Is I was in New York for a while, and it is rough. So uh, I hate talking about this, but, uh, but one time there was this guy. Yeah, go ahead, Jordan. Okay, I was gonna say like his name might sound like uh, you know it might sound like a football coach, but I was trying to see if his voice sounded like a football coach or <laughs> if his personality did. And I just looked on YouTube, but I can't even find an interview of him. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, I did find one, but it was like eight years ago. So I was trying to see if I could find, you know, a little bit of personality, but I can't even find an interview. Of him. Oh, I think I don't think he's got any personality to him at all. Wait like, a second. You know who also doesn't do interviews or have personality? Bill Belichick. But I feel like Bill Belichick's reason for not doing interviews is because he doesn't want to. Whereas people just don't want to really interview Lou. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jordan, all this uh, you know, critical thinking that you're doing in the world. <laughs> I'd appreciate I it if you tone it down a notch here. Okay? All right, I got you. We're, we're trying to enjoy the moment. So look, uh, if from New York, and like I said, it's a rough place. And one time I saw a guy, you know, raggedy clothes. He needed a ride, hitchhiker. I gave him a ride. And when he left the car, you know, the whole time he's uh, he's sitting back, I was like, this seems like a nice guy, very quiet. I wonder why his life got to this point. Then he got out of the car and I realized because he had left a mark on the seat. Now, I don't want to talk more about it. If you're wondering what kind of mark, it was more like a, a skid mark than a watermark. But... Uh, it was very gross, and I had to sell the car. This is a true story, guys. And How much you sell it for? I, I don't remember. This was a long time ago. But, um, you know, I got mugged multiple times. I mean, I remember one time a guy was trying to steal my mustache even. So New York is a rough place. That's where you want your defensive coordinator to be from. And, I mean, this guy is very intimidating physically. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure, but I, I think if I remember his, I don't know if I'm getting his name right, but I think he even played the Hulk in a TV series, you know, The Incredible Hulk. No, uh, no, no, no. That, that's, that's, uh, oh, what's his name? Yeah, Ferrigno. <laughs> oh, 
Well, I mean, do you see though the Lou? You see the connection with the name Lou. Very, mm -hmm. yeah, very important. Daddy, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I would think that this staff has been almost ideal to your liking because Zach Taylor has now hired three coaches with similar experiences. You have Jamal Singleton, the running backs coach. He coached, I believe, it was Air Force Academy. You have Jim Turner, who was a Marine and, and toured in Europe and Japan in the Middle East. And then you have um, Lou, who actually had his first defensive coordinator job with the United States Marine, like, some type of Marine Academy in New York. So, oh, yeah, I, that's I, what I'm going to say. Tough guy. I, he's a tough I, guy. I, I, yeah. I would have, like, Zach Taylor obviously supports the troops very well. He's, he's, he's yeah. completely pro troops, which I would yeah. assume it fits to your liking. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the thing is, that's what the fans want to see, you know? So I get it. You know, I mean, another thing, John, if you dig deep in the research, like I said, you'll see that his wife's name is Fran. Fran. Think about it. That's very New York, very tough guy, wife. You know, remember Fran Drescher? She played the a street a smart nanny with a lot of attitude. That's like his wife. I mean, his, John, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. That's what you're going to say. But that's not true. These are alternative ways of assessing the hire because we don't know anything about it. Now, we also know that he has ties to Vance Joseph from Miami, right? Mm -hmm. A guy that could have been our head coach. Um, and when they were there together, John talked about it a little bit, but they, in 2016, they had a pretty good defense. They forced turnovers, a lot of turnovers, went to the playoffs. Um, and, oh, and John, he's very smart too, very intellectual. He went to Harvard. Well, he coached coach, at Harvard. To coach their defensive backs and the special teams, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and oh, analysts are saying he's the perfect messenger for the Zach Taylor's defense. Now, what does that mean? Exactly. No, I'm saying analysts are saying it, you know, that he's a perfect messenger. <laughs> you're not you're not the perfect messenger to message me that then if you can't explain it. You know what I'm saying? Well, it was a headline on Bengals.com, John. Jeff Hobson wrote it. He knows the Bengals better than anybody. So there's that. Okay. I don't I don't feel like I'm getting a lot of positive feedback on these uh, analytics. Jordan, did you have something you want to say? I said I will say that it will be a positive. He can bring over Landon Collins, you know, maybe slap on a fifty number on him, put him at backer. I would love that. Yeah, you don't have to change the number. Just, just, just play him. Like I think he played like four times as many snaps at linebacker than he did at safety in New York. But the whole Landon oh, okay. Collins thing is—it's like because he because he like emptied his locker or whatever because he just wants to just be out and they might still tag him which could lead to a holdout which obviously nobody would want the giants are just a complete mess with the whole trade trade Odell thing and not moving on from eli but i i don't know if he wants to get away from just that organization in general or if he didn't like just the, like the coaching staff and how they used them in the past couple of years and if that's the case it would be interesting to see him go to his former coach that to the we former don't, one, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that whole situation is definitely weird to me. And that, and I guess we'll eventually have to talk about if this is a Bengals team that is actually willing to spend money in free agency. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Okay. So Jeremy Rauch, who, you know, from Twitter, uh, Bengals supporter, he, he's, he's talking about the connections to Zach Taylor. Now, a lot of people are calling it nepotism. That's actually not true. It's cronyism. That's the correct term. Mm -hmm. And um, so here are the connections. Uh, Doug Roosevelt, right, who was a high school 
coach last year, was hired to be the assistant to Zach, um, you know, basically uh, helping supervise him, helping him make the transition. So that is big to have. I think, a I think they gave him a huge role, but just changed the name of the title. Yeah, that's become like an official position now. <laughs> But I mean, it's, I just think it's great that we have a high schooler coach because that gives new perspective. He has a lot of experience with the youth. He gets the youth culture. It's good to have someone like that in a supervising position. And uh, he also worked with Zach at, at UC. Now you have um, Jim Turner, who worked with Zach at Texas. We didn't get to talk about these hires. Um, he worked with Zach at Texas A&M in Miami. He's the o o offensive line coach. He, um, so he had an incident that with blow up dolls when he was with the dolphins, giving him out, giving you know, a male blow up doll to the, to a guy who the rumors, it was, it was, it was, uh, blown out of, well, it was a blown out of proportion, but it was a big deal. I don't know how the, to say The dolls that. were blown up. It, they were blown, have, yeah. yeah, to proportion. They were blown to proportion, which offended a lot of people. But here's the thing. He learned his lesson. And when he went to Texas A&M, he didn't give out dolls. He just made. Uh, sexist slideshows. He, he progressed. He progressed. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, to be honest with you, the slideshow was much worse. Those were very bad. <laughs> it was, I was shocked. I was like a 13, when I was 13, I didn't have a mind like that, you know? He progressed, but don't tell him he progressed because he might not like that word progress. Yeah. But I mean, Zach said that, you know, he's changed. You know, Zach says he's a good man now. So that's, that means he's good now, you know? Actually, I think he said he was always a good man. So take that uh, how you like. Okay. Um, the assistant offensive line coach worked with Zach in Miami. That's Ben Martin. John, you know offensive line. Talk about that. Yeah, uh, he worked with Turner, and something that a lot, not a lot of people want to talk about was that that unit and offensive line in Miami was pretty bad and got Tannehill roughed up his first couple of years. Honestly, whenever Jim Turner has been around an offensive line, they haven't really gotten any better. When you look at the offensive linemen that he's developed at Texas A&M, Names like Luke Jokel, Jermaine Effetti, they pop up. One, Cedric Oboehi, that he recruited in his final year at Texas A&M. Not, not really good at developing talent, not really good at formulating good scheme and just formulating good protection. If it works out, it works out. But And, and again, there's the, there's the Taylor connection, so obviously there's going to be good communication, I guess, with what type of scheme and what type of operation they want to go with on offense. But um, right now he's a, he's a downgrade from Frank Pollock and just the other baggage doesn't really help. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, but there's other guys we hired. I want to get to them real quick. So yeah, Brian Callahan, we talked about, uh, his father coached Zach in college. You have, uh, Jamal Singleton, the RB coach, the running backs coach worked with Callahan at Oakland, uh, James Casey, which John talked about. It's, it's just friends with Zach. So that's nice to see uh, cronies all together in one place. Very nice. Man, this is not a very lively discussion, guys. Please liven it up. So we still, wait, so, so what, what What do we still have to fill out? Defensive line coach, linebackers coach. I don't even know if they're getting – because the hired strength and conditioning coach was another one of Taylor's guys. That was Joey Bozy, came from Illinois. Oh like, right, right, right! I forgot about him. They've yeah. had they've had an assistant strength conditioning coach in the past with Chip Moore, and he's been there for 16 years. So I don't know if that's going to be a spot that gets filled. I think other than that, I think there's assistant defensive line. And I think they're done. 
the, the staff looks completely different. And, and even if, even the guys that they've kept, you got Alex Van Pelt, quarterbacks coach, Bob Bignell, uh, wide receivers coach, Durante Jones, who did work with uh, Lou Anaromo in Miami for the, the last two years that they were there. Uh, safeties coach Robert Livingston. Th- these are guys that have only been with the organization. Van Pelt and Bignell have only been here for a year. Jones has only been here for a year. I think Livingston has been here for, I want to say, five years. But no one that has been through most of the Marvin Lewis tenure. So you're talking about the majority of the staff that's completely blown up with new faces. Basically, you went from Lewis's guys to Taylor's guys. And then the guys that you kept were have only been here for a combined like seven or eight years. So not only is it a completely new staff, but the the, the only faces that you've kept around is, I think, Darren Simmons, the special teams coach who's been here for as long as Marvin Lewis had, had been here. And then uh, Simmons' assistant and Brayden Coombs, who's been here for, I think, eight years so basically what, what we wanted has happened the way that it, that, it, that it transpired is not probably ideal because of how much how long they waited to fill some of these key hires and you would you would have liked to see that process of filling the defensive coordinator position go a little bit more smoothly have a little bit better communication and with the, how the way things have played out but like like again it's just so it's it's, just, it's so awkward to judge coaching hires immediately after they happen because we just don't know how they're going to play out with what's here right now yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, Jordan, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say uh, one thing that, like, it, kind of, it actually kind of makes me, you know, all this this whole process has kind of made me a little bit nervous for the draft portion of it. Because, like, I mean, generally, I I actually kind of liked how Mark Lewis drafted and how the process went. But, like, I mean, with these new guys coming in and with how much, like, I mean, for instance, for instance all the position coaches that you just said that are empty, like, I mean, all this, you know, scouting and being able to pick these players out. I didn't know how it would deal with in the first place getting new people and and better yet with these people not even having that much time or, you know, that solidified position. Yeah, because there's there's only two actual, like, scouts on the staff. They have, like, two scouting directors, two scouts, and then Duke Tobin who kind of oversees everything. Everything else is done by the coaches. And you're talking about most of these coaches have just, have just gotten here in the past couple of weeks. They were either with other teams already starting their work with them already transitioning over here. And Anaromo has one week before the combine to basically watch all of the Bengals defense, defensive guys, evaluate all of them, then get started on his draft work. I, I believe it was Ted Nguyen, who is a writer for the Athletic NFL. He just texted, or he was in contact with a former Bengals coach of the past couple years. And he basically told Nguyen that he scouted, I think, 200 players on his own. So a lot of this, a lot of the scouting work and a lot of the draft work is done by the assistant coaches for the Bengals. And I guess that, 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 that makes them not only unique, but that makes, I guess, the coaches have a, a, a much larger role in that whole process. And when you have such a late start, it could lead to some, I guess, different trends going into this draft. So maybe some of the past draft tendencies that we've seen just may, may not carry over into the Zach, the Zach Taylor era, if you will. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Yeah, I agree they're young, they're new, a uh, lot of unknown, you know, but speaking of new faces, uh, we have some new patrons. I'm talking about Tanner Green, who's uh, patronizing us. Or Hoji says I shouldn't say patronizing us. <laughs> he has agreed to patronize us. Or uh, uh, anyways, Tanner Green, three dollars a month um, uh, is, and uh, Michael Ford. I think we mentioned him before, a dollar a month. John Harden giving a lot, uh, you know, I think it's like $18 a month or something. Uh, Good job. Yeah, and Brian Taylor, who, uh, you know, I thought had backed out, but he's back. He's giving a dollar a month 
uh, or maybe it was Michael Ford, one of them. Uh, at any rate, uh, we and, and of course we have Andrew uh, Seiler, or Seiler, who's our biggest fan, and he's giving ten dollars a month. I mean, guys, we have one, two, three. You still think we can't uh, afford health insurance after all that? Um, not no, John, no, we can't. Yeah, but we have a lot of patients. It's like five or six or something now. Uh, so that thank you so much. I mean, really, um, we are we started the podcast. If you like the show, you you should know that it's going to be on the podcast on Podbean or iTunes. Sorry if I spit when I speak. Just look it up. Make sure you subscribe. Leave five star reviews. I don't think there's an option to leave less than five star reviews. So just click the five. Leave a leave a written review, and you know I don't want to tell you what to say, but just something like. You know, best bangers podcast, hilarious, brilliant. Um, you know, worth your time, whatever. You, one of those phrases. Uh, you know, subscribe. I should, I should clarify: there is an option to leave five stars, but if you try, uh, your computer will uh, turn blue screen. So I wouldn't try it. Less than five stars. Yeah, you don't yeah. try leaving less. You might get a virus. I think. Mm -hmm. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to patronize us, patronize us. We're not. Oh, going to oh, oh, Daddy, did you? Are, yeah. you? are you looking at this chat? No. Your, your old buddy Carl Schenk uh, hopped in. He has a question okay. for you. Okay. Yeah. He what said, is it? He said, "How badly do you wish you could be a Steelers fan?" Uh, well, I mean, to be honest with you, really, I'm being serious here. Being a Bengals fan is not a choice for me. You know what I mean? It's how I identify. You know what I mean? Like, maybe I wasn't a Bengals fan at birth, but that is what I feel I, I always should have been. So I you don't choose to be a Bengals fan or a Steelers fan. You just are. Either you're a good person or you're a bad person. You know what I mean? Either you, um, you know, you are cheap or, you know, you're, you're like you're careless with your money. It's one of the two. There's no other option. You know what I mean? So... You know what I mean? Either you're with us or against us. I mean, you guys know all the different opposites out there. So, really, being a Bengals fan, yeah, I, I, I didn't choose the, the Bengals lifestyle. You know, I will, I will tell you this, Stadio. I live in Pittsburgh now, and they're all going berserk over this Antonio Brown Le'Veon. So, if there was a time to not be a Steelers fan, it would be now. I hate, I hate to say this. I really do, but. Don't we all know the Steelers are going to be fine? Like, they're going to have a good running game. They're going to find someone who, you know, the next receiver. You know what I mean? They're going to be fine, and I hate that. <laughs> they have that oh, offensive line. They, they just always are a competent franchise. I hate saying that so much, but it's true. It does suck. <sighs> we'll yeah. talk when Ben retires, basically. He stinks, well, he stinks as a person, but we'll, we'll talk when he retires. I mean, I remember they went to the Super Bowl with Neil O'Donnell, man. Didn't they remember that? that? Yeah, but still. But Neil O'Donnell, I mean, he was like he was like a Blake Bortles type of guy. You know what I mean? Oh, I saw, oh uh, a great tweet. Great tweet from yesterday. Last time that Roethlisberger, Brown, and Bell were all on the field for the Steelers, they lost to Blake yeah. Bortles. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, this that's amazing. The, this might be the greatest fact in the history. <laughs> yeah. That is great. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sorry. We got to wrap it up because my computer running out of batteries. Um, one person mentioned getting CJ Mosley, which I, I, I would like to do, but, you know, I don't think we're going to spend that much. 
Okay, that's all we have for this episode of Sorry If I Spit My Speak. We'll see you next time. So long. Peace, sweetie. Bye.